Take your Bible to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Last week we uh, were in Mark chapter 4 and we finished out the story. And uh, we get into this. The, the ministry of Jesus was not just going to the Pharisees and like, you need to get your hearts right because your heart's not right, you religious leaders. He didn't just go to the poor and say, hey, you're hungry, I'm going to give you some food. Jesus didn't go just to the lame man and say, rise up and walk. He goes to a guy in this story that is extremely messed up. Extremely messed up. I think Jesus was trying to get us to understand that, that there's messed up people and there's messed up situations and there's, let me just put it like this, there's spiritual warfare that is real and present and surrounding us all the time. If you want to know the truth, I, I, I honestly believe in the world that we live in today, when the Bible starts talking about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, and then it says these words, it says against powers, against powers. The, the reason why the Bible says behind the scenes, this isn't just Old Testament, it's not just the day and age of Jesus Christ, it, this is written to us saying we go up against powers, strength, might, something that has the ability to push you around, push you down, and knock you out. Powers. It goes on to say uh, against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world. And I, and I know that I reference this verse all the time, and I know you say, uh, Pastor Tony uh, quotes this or reads this or puts it on the screen all the time. I want you to know the true battle of what we're facing. Behind the scenes of the problems of this world, and when it says against the rulers of the darkness of the world, let, let's just lay that out. What is the darkness of this world? We, we, we talk about, and they're talking about the sound of freedom and the movie coming out and the exposure of human trafficking and it's a $150 billion industry where they take young girls and young boys and, and older people and, and put them in the sex trafficking and, and they're slaves to sin through the lust of other people. You say, how does that happen? The Bible just explains it. There's, there's rulers of darkness, rulers of the darkness of this world. We're never going to bring that down without the power of God going against the power of evil. It's, it's not going to come just through a movie and praise God for the exposure and things like that. It's not, in America, they said 40 point something million Americans in one year were reported of struggling with some sort of uh, substance abuse. 40 million! And by the way, nobody just wakes up one day and says, you know what, I, I, I think I'm going to do drugs and, and mess up my life. Nobody does that. But, but there's pains and issues and emptiness and voids and everything that people are reaching out for something. Just have this in your mind. I'm hurting. I don't have peace. I need something. I need something. I need something. And there's traps and bondage. I'm not just talking about, oh, I messed around with something, or I, I, I had something in my life. No, these things grab a hold of you. And I, I'm, whether it's the human trafficking or the pornography or it's drugs or, or I, I, I smoke weed to get through my problems. I need weed to get through my problems, and I have to have this. It gets a hold of your life because of the stresses in our life, and, and it doesn't let go. And I'm not just talking about it in the world. 
I'm talking about in the walls of churches. I'm telling you that there's people here that have issues and problems and struggles. And I tell you, we, we talk about, this passage talks about demon possession. I know that there's also demon oppression where he will mess you up. And it's serious. And it's real. And it's around us. Jesus, we're talking about, let me tell you about my Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, it was, or, uh, Luke chapter 4, he was talking about the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. Jesus is testifying this. He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So I'm going to go over here. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those that are down and out, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, dealing things. And then listen to this. He said, to preach deliverance to the captives. The answer to those that are bound by something is Jesus Christ. That is it. I'm not against recovery programs. I'm not against counseling. I'm not against doctors. I'm not, I'm not against. But if we're going to understand the deeper issue behind the, dish, uh, the, 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 the destruction, behind the self-mutilation, behind the addictions, behind the depression and the anxiety and the suicidal thoughts, and behind all of these things, the Bible tells us that there is a, a, an evil presence that is there. It's real. For us Christians to think that that's just Hollywood things or that's entertaining things. No, we we need to wake up with awareness that when Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free, he was literally saying, they are those that are held captive and Jesus is the answer. That's true in our world today. It's true in this church. Something that gets a hold of your life. And I'm not saying I'm not strung out on crack cocaine or whatever. It could be just the fact that you have an anger issue, a spirit of something inside of you. And you like, every time I get around my kids or I get at work or whatever, I lose my temper. I just get so upset. Or maybe you have a prescription and you, you, you add a little more and add a little more to your, your, your daily dose of it, whatever. Just like, I need something to take the edge off. I need something to get me through the day. Or it's, it's the drinking thing. I, I've got I've to have something to help me. But it creeps into our lives. And then like that chain, when you go to walk away, it's like, oh, well, I don't want to do that anymore. And Satan's like, well, you, you don't understand. And you guys know what I'm talking about. The longer you stay in that place of being bound by something that is not of God, the more it messes with every aspect of your life. It brings you down spiritually. It brings you down emotionally. It brings you down in your joy and all the things that God gives us. It, it affects your life. We, and, I, and I appreciate with the fact that they'll reach out in, in different programs and stuff and say what you need, you have to believe in a higher power. If that higher power is not Jesus Christ, you have no higher power. Amen. Yeah. And I'm not degrading the fact that they're teaching that, but I'm telling you the higher power cannot be some statue or religious figure in our community. It, it has to be Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's a story in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. We're just continuing. We just flipped the page, going to the next chapter. And he came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. who has come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. Now, now I, know, I know a lot of you are like, oh, I know this one. And, and you're thinking you can just take a nap right now. First of all, I'm not going to let you take a nap. And it, if anybody's going to take a nap, I want to take a nap, but you're not going to do that. Um, this isn't just about telling Bible stories. This isn't just story time with Pastor Tony, Okay. My goal is for us to like, why did Jesus put this in the Bible? 
What, what, is it, what is the story? What is going on? What is the application? What is God teaching us? What, what are we going to do with this? What is going on with this? And at the beginning of this passage, in, in verse 2, he says, There met him out a man with an unclean spirit. Now, let me, let me just explain what that is. We know that when Satan was kicked out of uh, heaven, and we, we have the spiritual war that went on, and the re- rebellion that happened, the Bible says that he took a third of the angels with him. The fallen angels, the demonic activity that we face and we deal with in this world. That that is real. That is real. That is absolutely real. The Bible talks about that he took a third with him. And I'm just going to ask you guys a question because I know you're sitting in church. Where are they? Where are they? For us to be like, oh, I don't want to talk about that. No, 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 no. It's behind the evil, behind the suicide, behind the addictions, behind the problems. Behind the divorce and all these, and I was like, you're demonic. No, he, he comes to kill, seek, and destroy. That's what he does. Yes. He's after your kids. He's going to be working the school system. He's going to raise his ugly head when it comes to the politics that we're about to go through. He's going to cause division. He's going to cause all the, the fighting and bickering and everything that day. That's what he does. And the Bible says that there came out to, uh, of the tombs a man that had an unclean spirit. Now, now we know the idea of spirit, the spiritual realm, the, 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 the personality, the attitude, the mindset. We know the Holy Spirit of God is the presence of God with us. Because I have the Holy Spirit of God with me. Holy, which is righteous, pure, spirit, the presence of God. Holy Spirit of God with me. That means because I have that. I have joy that cannot come from no other place because I have the Spirit of God with me. I, I have a peace that nobody can, I have a calm that allows me to rest and have a, a, a sound mind because it came from God. I, I can have uh, apathy towards people and I can have compassion for people that nobody can give me because it comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. The Bible describes that there came out somebody that had an unclean spirit. That word unclean in that passage literally is like foul or or defiled. It means demonic presence with him. You think that he could have this and we cannot? You you, you think that that's, nowhere in the Bible and Jesus said, and I did away with all demons and problems and issues in life. It never says that. Not one time in scripture does it say that. An unclean spirit. The Bible is explaining that we have a great enemy or a great evil that is present in this world. It is, it is around us. It is, it is there. And he said, and now notice the description that it says. What, what does he do? Verse 3. And it's dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains. And chains that had been plucked asunder by him. And fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. See, the thing is, something powerful got a hold of his life. That, that's what it is. And we talked about the different influences, the way that Satan works in our world. But something powerful got a hold of his life. That's what the Bible's describing in here. But the thing is, people tried to fix him. It says that no man could tame him. No man could help him. So you got to imagine he's out of control, and I know this is kind of an extreme situation. You're dealing with somebody that was like demonic and all these things, and it was very present. It was very uh, evident in his life. But think about it. A lot of the time, Satan is subtle. He's not looking for some sort of priest to come in with holy water and, a, you know, I mean, just, I know that looks good in movies, but he's very subtle to work into our 
families and to work into our homes or work into our young people for us to get captivated something by the, the, something that gets a hold of my life that nobody can fix. That, that's the whole point in this story. Nobody could deal with this. Nobody could tame him. Nobody could address this. I wish we could. Because some of you are dealing with issues in your life that say, I just wish I could turn over a new leaf and it would be all go away. I, I just wish I could just uh, rebuke it or start going to church and everything gets better. You're going to hear at church the one that can make everything better, but walking into this building does not make everything better. It doesn't. Nobody could fix him. And because of that, they had to push him out. So they began to bound him with chains, and they tried to control the situations. And because the thing that was controlling them was greater than the chains, nothing, nothing, nothing would work. Can you imagine being somebody that's stuck in those tombs that just like, hey, nothing's ever going to work? You want to stop, you want to change, but you can't. It's described, it says, verse 5, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. You talk about a description, the Bible describes him as being broken. It, literally miserable, night and day. It was, it was, it was every day, all, all that he could do. And, and you've got to think, he, would, he was demon-possessed, but he was a regular man. He was a dad. Night and day, I can't get away from this. I don't care what I do, where I go, whatever. I cannot shake this. I cannot walk away from this. I am absolutely miserable. And there are people that may be in this room or people that you know. They, they wake up with the issue. They go to bed with the issue. They're haunted by the issue. It will not go away. Describes them as crying. Nothing fixed it. Miserable. But this is where it gets real. And this is just something that I think is part of our culture. But when we read it in the Bible, I don't know if we compare it to the things that we deal in life. And the Bible describes him as cutting himself. Did you guys notice that? Did you know that that's still a thing in our culture today? And maybe for some people, it's the idea that I am, I am hurting so bad emotionally or mentally or whatever that if I cut myself, it, it helps address the pain to shift the pain from my head or my heart to that part of my body that's bleeding or hurting at the moment. Uh, can I remind you that Satan is the one that's come to kill, seek, and destroy? So anything that tears us apart or tears us down or mutilates ourselves, whether it is a drug or whether it is an activity or whether it is a toxic relationship or whatever, it is not of God. It's not of God. You want to know what comes from God? God comes brings things into our life to build our joy, to build and edify us and to make us stronger. Not to tear you apart, not to tear down your character or the values in your life. You wonder why people are so self-destructive. I, I, I've heard a lot of Christians, and I've said the same thing, so I'm, I'm in the same boat. Where when you see people that are dealing with things, and whatever it is, okay, that Satan has a whole buffet of these things that he presents to people as a temptation for them. But the thing is, nobody just walks up to a drug, alcohol, pill, or toxic relationship or anything else and says, I think I just want to be miserable. But when you are so miserable inside, something happens in there and says, well, that, that's got to be better than what I'm dealing with now. And the world is filled with people like this. Like I said, in, in, in America alone, 40 point something million people dealing with some sort of substance abuse. And that statistic starts at the age of 12. Yeah. Destroying lives in every way possible. 
But I think the weird thing about this is in verse 5 when he says, and he was in the mountains and in the tombs. You talk about a description. You, you talk about where, where are you at in life? If somebody was to ask this guy, I don't know, this wouldn't happen. It's like, where are you at in life? The description of him was literally in the tombs. My life, visually, for this guy, was I am at the end. I am dead inside. I have nothing going for me. I am like the, literally like the living dead. And I'll be honest, I, and I'm not just saying this. I believe that if there is something that is descriptive of people today in our world, it is so many people that say, Tony, I know I'm alive, but if I'm being honest, I feel dead inside. I, I have no joy. And even for some Christians to go to a worship service and stand and sing the words, they almost go in one ear and out the other, and there's no raising the hands, there's no worshiping God, there's no joy from the Spirit, because if you're being transparent, you said, if you could see the inside of me, if, you, if I, I could paint a picture, I would be that guy. I am the living dead, I am alive, but I feel miserable in my life. But what changed everything? And I know, I know, I know, everybody's going to be like, Jesus, you know, it's like... <laughs> Jesus shows up in the middle of this situation, all this, and that is all true. But he came to confront. You've got to understand, he came to confront. In John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he does. So if you're going to say, my life is falling apart, you have to understand that is the work of spiritual warfare in your life. That is the truth. But we're studying my Jesus, so let's talk about my Jesus. My Jesus is the great hope. When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped. Now I'm telling you, they did not fall down and worship, but you got to get the picture. You got to understand what's going on. That the demons see this boat arriving, you know, in the early morning, in the hours, in the darkness, and, and they run down, maybe to torture them, maybe it's another victim or whatever, but he runs down to the shore and they get out of it. But the Bible says by the time the demons got into the presence of Jesus Christ, they had to fall down. Now, when you read the word worship, a lot of times we're of the mindset of like, you know, clapping your hands of the great I am, and we're singing tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, or, you know, I, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. We're going to some sort of praise to God about the things that he's doing in my life. That's not what was going on. See, worship is the idea of submitting or bowing the knee. The Bible says at the end of life, every atheist, every other uh, world religion, whatever, every knee will bow. You know what it is? I'm going to pay homage or respect to the great I am. I'm going to bow before the one that has the authority over my life. See, what was literally happening in this passage was the idea that they came, the demons thought, when I'm going to come down to destroy or consume somebody else, instead they had to bow the knee to the great I am. That's what happened in this passage. The truth is, the issues in our life are greater than you are, but they're not greater than my God. In the whole passage, that the description of this, and I, and I love the names of God. I, I don't want to read it. Every time there's a new name of God, you're like, why is this mentioned in this passage? And it says in verse 7, And he cried with a loud voice and said, What, do I have to do to, what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, do not torment me. And the reason why I was saying that is because they know, go ahead and flip. I can flip to the end of the book. I can read to the end of the story. Guess what happens to the demons? They're, they're casting the gates of hell. They're, they're done. They're, they're, their mission is over at the end of that. 
But till we get to that, they're, they're out trying to kill, seek, and destroy. So they're like, we're in the presence of the Most High God. Are you going to send us and destroy us? Are, are we done with the work that we're here to do? Because we didn't know that the time had come for that. But they addressed him as the Most High God. They came into the presence of the Son of the Most High God. Now, now I've done this before, but just give me a minute, okay? Break the name down. The, the name for Most High God is the, 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 the name El Elyon. Okay, that's when they sing in the Bible, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to men. When the Bible will talk about the most high and it says the son of the most high. And anytime it does that, the L in that passage or that word, it literally is the, it's talking about God. God is Elohim. God is creator. Okay, so anytime we get to, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's creator. When God spoke the sun, moon, and stars into existence, that was Elohim. That was God that created all that. When the Bible talks about I'm the Alpha and Omega, and we talked about this last week, God was saying, I'm at the beginning. I'm, I'm the start of this. I'm the author. I'm the inventor. God created DNA. God created you. God created marriage. God is the authority over those things. You know why? He's the author of all of those things. Creator, El Elyon, means the most high. It, they were literally saying in, in the monarch or the establishment of government authority and power, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against powers. Get this. <laughs> they were like, we just came into the presence of the supreme power. That literally means that he has the authority and the power and there is nothing greater. There, there is no word. There is no attitude. There is no saying. There is no disease. There is no drug. There is no cancer. There is no addiction. There is no past. There is no present. There is nothing. Whatever it is, God trumps every bit of it. He is the most high God. He is the authority over all. Which literally means if we're talking about this, there is no way when you say, I have something that's got a hold on me, I promise you it can't have a hold on my God. God is the supreme authority over this. But you know what the thing is? The demons recognize this. They understood that they came into the presence of God or God came into the presence of them, that things were about to change. The beauty of this is the evil behind the misery, the bondage, and the brokenness, and the fears of this world is fearful and afraid of the God that we serve. You want to know why I believe that one of the great things that we deal with in this life or the, the battle that we have of getting out of bed on Sunday morning to go to church? Because Satan wants to keep you far away from the Word of God. He wants to keep you far away from the worship. He wants to keep you away from these things because they are no match for the Most High God. And he runs to Jesus, lifting up his battered, bruised, bleeding hands to an Almighty God. power of this story is that when you cannot get to Jesus, Jesus got to him. This man was stuck because he came to bring deliverance. He came to seek and to say that which is lost. I think that is a great message when we read it for the guy that was messed up. But let me tell you, that's a great message for Sarah that's going to Romania because she's going over there to seek and to save that which is lost. And he asked him, 
verse 9, what is thy name? I'll tell you, this is weird. Can we just be honest, this is weird? Because Jesus that knows all comes into the presence of demons and he's standing there and he goes, it wasn't like Jesus scratching his head going, man, I think I know this guy. You know what I'm saying? There's something going on that, that, that Jesus was not asking the question. Jesus never had to ask questions because he didn't know the answer. Jesus was asking a question because he wanted everybody else to know the answer. Jesus already knew he was. So he, said, he spake unto him and he says, what is your name? And he answered and said, my name is Legion for we are many. Here's, here's the crazy thing. I, I, do, I, I counsel with people. I deal with people. I connecting point my office and things all the time. And every once in a while, I get a hold of somebody that will come up to me and just kind of be a little uh, uh, taken back and, and like say, Pastor Johnny, if I'm being honest with you, just, all right, okay, I'm just going to say it, okay. I'm probably the most messed up guy you've ever met. I'm like, oh, really, really, okay. And there's a lot of people that think that. Man, I have so many issues. I, I have, I have, I'll tell you what, if you looked up my arrest record, if you, if you saw how many drugs that I've had, if you've known how many relationships that I've been with, if you've known how many women that I've been with, you know my past of what I've been into. If you knew, if you knew I was kicked out of school and I was, every girl in this city knows my name and they hate my guts and whatever the thing is, it's like the list is huge. Disciples are here. Jesus is standing here. The man is bowed down before me. So what's your name? Yells back, he goes, Legion, we're a lot. We are many. Jesus responds, I know, get out. That's literally the passage. I'm like, couldn't you have just skipped the name asking and just went through getting out? Jesus was proving a point. I don't care how messed you up or how many issues you have. Jesus is the only one that can set you free. That is the story. That, that is the whole point of this, of why we, in our minds, will stay away from Jesus when we're going through things because we have the idea that, we, that nobody can fix me and I'm too far gone. He was proving to them, you have no problem that is too big for our God. There's no addiction, no past, no nothing. There's nothing that can outdo the power of our God. You just can't be too messed up. You can't be. Christ said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He jumped down to verse 13, and forthwith he gave them leave. And the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down into the steep place, into the sea. And they were about 2,000. And they were choked in the sea. It's not surprising because the, the, the reason why Jesus did that was the fact that the, the, the demons, the, the, their time had not yet come. We're not back at the time of revelation, but he cast them out. You know what the demons do? They sought out, requested even of Jesus, send us into something that we might destroy. You know why we don't stop? Because Satan doesn't. You know why we're going to do Bible school again next year? Or why we're going to keep doing community events and why we're going to figure out what we're going to do in the fall? You know why we're doing that? You know why we're going to send Sarah and get behind these people? Because Satan doesn't stop, neither are we. We don't stop. In verse 15, and they come out to Jesus and seeing who was possessed with the devil, had a legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And then that Saul had told them how it befall to him, and he was possessed with the devil, and, and also concerning the swine, and they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. He was coming to the ship, 
He that was possessed, had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. And you just stop. I, I, I want you to see this because I, I think it's important for us to see the difference of what Jesus does. When, when you are thinking that I am over, I will never be that person that can just be a loving dad because I have an anger. I will never be that person that can just serve in church because I have issues. I'll never be that person. But because of the power of God and the influence of God in their lives, everything changed in such a moment that the Bible describes this great change that came into his life. I'm, I'm telling you guys, I don't believe that God just comes to fix us up. God's not just in the overhauling business. God, God's not out to do a spiritual facelift in our lives. God is out to make all things new. That's what he does. And if you think I'm the type of dad that I, I will, I'll never be able to be the type of husband to restore this relationship. I'll never be the man that can earn the respect of my spouse. I'll never be the dad that my kids will ever love to or want to respect or follow. I'll never be that guy. Then you have listened to the lies of the devil. The whole point was this guy was screaming naked, bloody, demon-possessed, broken chains, all these things. But when God got a hold of his life, and I'm not saying, because I mean sometimes we take these things literal, that like a genie in a bottle. We just snap our fingers and everything's better. That's not what happened. But I can show you what happened in this passage. And the Bible describes it. It literally goes into the details. It brings it out. And they came Jesus and they come to Jesus and seeing that he was possessed with the devil and had a legion. Let me, let me explain something. I want you guys to see this in our screen, okay? That he was possessed with the devil and he had demons. After God gets a hold of your life, you are not who you were. But Satan will constantly bring up your past. But in the scripture and the authority of who God says, that's not who you are. And instead, the Bible describes this and what happened to him. And he says he's now, in verse 15, that had a legion sitting. He said, what is the big deal about that sitting? The idea of being at peace or being at rest. Somebody that was in the mountains and in the hills and, and running and screaming and breaking chains and had no peace in their heart. And all of a sudden, God in that moment not only set him free from the demons, but gave him a calm or gave him a peace or gave him a presence that nothing else could give. I'm going to be real with, be real with you. I'm just, guys, listen to me. You're going to quote me on this and I'm going to, people are going to think I'm nuts. Alcohol will help you. Go ahead and tweet it out that Pastor Tony said that. Alcohol will help you for a moment because it dulls the pain. I'm going to be real with you. Weed will help your situation for a moment. And the list goes on and on, he, what he can do for the moment, for the moment, for the moment. So everything that Satan has has a price tag. He, he, he's like that fisherman that puts the worm out there for the fish. I'll tell you what, you'll get the worm, but I promise you behind the worm, you're going to get the hook. And the world is constantly going after, I just need something. That man was sitting there. And everybody that walked around was like, whoa, what, what's this? What's this? What is this guy? Hey, it's like, okay. Sitting, clothed sitting at the feet of Jesus and clothing, you say, why would the Bible put that in there? That's so weird. 
See, you got to understand the Bible uses certain terminology all from the, the beginning of the Bible. When Adam and Eve sinned and they realized that they were naked, what it was is they were ashamed and they ran out and took fig leaves and they tried to sew them together to form clothes because they were ashamed. The Bible always equates nakedness to shamefulness, guilt, embarrassment. You see, the Bible says that when he was stripped on the cross, surely he had borne our shame, carried our sorrows. The only one that can take away the guilt and give you peace in your heart is Jesus Christ. That's what he was doing. He changed every bit. The Bible says that he was sitting in his right mind. That same word, that same terminology is the means to sober-minded or sound mind. It means self-control. That literally means it's not just a matter of God changing the circumstances. God changes the mindset of someone to be able to get up and say, I can be a better dad. I can be a better teen. I can be a better leader. I don't have to stay this way. God not only changes your heart, he changes the way that you think about life. That I have hope. He runs to Jesus and says, take me with you. Jesus turns around and says, no, this is what I need you to do. I need you to go home. I need you to go home. Because when you get home, you're not going to be the same dad that you were before. God restores. And he said, verse 39, he returned to thine house and show them how great the things that God has done unto thee. Restored. So no, don't come to me and tell me that there's no marriage that can't be fixed. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me about your arrest record. Don't tell me about how bad you've had it or how messed up you've been or how far you've gone. Don't tell me because I promise you that God's the only one that can, and I promise you, they didn't open the door and go, oh, daddy's home. They were like, whoa, what's going on here? They walked in, experienced a man that they never had before in their life. Because that's what my Jesus does. He's the only one that will set you free. 